We are It's More Than Just a Chant. We are inspirational creators, difference makers, world changers, and we are one community. Join alums Jared and Ross as they uncover stories of Penn Staters and their unique professional and personal journeys. We are Penn State, and this is Lion Legacy. Episode number 42 of Lion Legacy. And Ross, this has been the longest break we have ever taken in the history of Lion Legacy. But good to be back. I'm just happy to be back. So for the listener, we last recorded in May. Okay, fine. So then we took a little bit of a break and then it was like, all right, we're going to take the summer off. And then summer off turned into the fall off and life happens. And so we had, we had an extended season one. We never really broke up our season. So we ended up cranking out 41 episodes over what, like an 18 month period almost. And then we had a little bit of a hiatus and then here we are, we're picking it back up, Jer. But we did have a chance to see each other. We always do a boys trip uh, every football season. And this year we went down to uh, to the Auburn game, which uh, is always nice to visit another campus, especially uh, the first time I've been to an SEC campus, which was nice and just hang out with a bunch of, of our friends. Yeah, I, I don't know that I ever expected that I'd be in Auburn, Alabama, but we were there deep south. And uh, no, it was a great time. There was definitely a Southern hospitality yeah. there one, right? So the Auburn folks were very nice to us. And it was just, we would be walking around campus or around the town and they would just walk right up and just start chit-chatting and they're oh thank you all i don't it doesn't even sound good when i say y'all so i'm not going to try to <laughs> you're not a southerner but, man. no i'm not but it was a thank you all you know everyone was so happy that we were there and the, just a lot of praise for how well penn state fans travel and they were really just you know look at auburn's a small town so when you have an influx of people coming into that town and staying at the hotels and going to the restaurants and bars and everything else look it's good for the economy and let's face that and they were just happy to have us there and talking football and talking about the season so far at that point. And then then they weren't so nice during the game. And then Penn State pulled away. And then it was very, like, very civil. It was, hey, you all were, were the better team today. And congratulations. And hope you had fun. And I was just like, where am I? These They're so nice. I don't know what I'm listening to. It, it was very quiet after the game, too, which is always a good sign when yeah. Penn State's away if, if, if the opposing fans and the home yeah. fans are quiet. But yeah, saw some cool traditions. We saw the War Eagle fly before yeah. the game, some lemonade at Toomer's Corner, which was yep. which is good. And just always great to, uh, to hang out with you, Ross, and the rest of our friends. And Absolutely. To get back together. We don't see each other as often as we would like, right? but true. always good. And next year we have, I'm not so sure if it's going to be as hospitable as a place. <laughs> next, next year is Ohio State in Columbus. Yep. We're yep. going. We are, we are going to Columbus next year in October 23. So wish us luck. Wish us luck. Uh, yeah. Keeping with the sports theme this week, we have Noah Pilato, a professional superstar in soccer. Yeah. So we spoke with Noah. He played soccer at Penn State and he is currently part of the Greenville Triumph in the USL. He's going to tell us how that all works, how his playing days were at Penn State and how he worked his way up to where he is now playing professionally. Has a lot of cool stories, has a little side hustle, which he'll tell you about. And ultimately, he's got a great head on his shoulders and that we enjoyed the conversation. So, Jared, with that, we are going to get on the pitch. We're going to boot one in the back of the net. We're going to speak to a different kind of football. How about that? There you go. 
different kind of football with with our new friend Noah Pilato. All right. Let's welcome Noah Pilato, a 2018 graduate with a degree in recreation, park, and tourism management. Noah was a midfielder for the men's soccer team and has gone on to win a championship at the professional level with the Greenville Triumph of the United Soccer League. Since it's the World Cup, there is no better time to catch up with Noah. Welcome to Lion Legacy. Appreciate you guys having me out here. Hey, Noah, nice to meet you. For the listener, we are recording this episode during the semifinals of the World Cup. So we obviously have to go there first and we have to start off with your prediction. So based on who's left, who's taking home the, the trophy? I'm going Argentina. I think I'm going to put I'm going to put the house on Argentina. I think it's going to be a France-Argentina final with Argentina taking it home. I just think that it's a story. It's a Cinderella story for Messi. I don't think you can write a better script than we're getting right now. And I don't know, just to see France, obviously France had won it four years ago. And to see them go back to back would be a cool story. But I think the stars are aligning for Messi. And at least I hope that's what's going to happen. Especially the way Argentina started off the tournament. That right. would be pretty special for them. One too. of the craziest yeah. losses. Was, yeah. it the mo- was it the most lopsided upset in World Cup history or something ridiculous like that, right? Yeah, people are already counting them out. Yeah. Yeah, pretty nuts. The cool thing is that by the time we put this out, people will will likely know whether you were right or wrong. So that's that's the fun part about doing this. Hopefully right. (laughs) Yeah. So I got to piggyback on that, and it's a hypothetical. And I think I may know your answer now. But if you had to choose one and only one player to have on your team, Ronaldo or Messi, and why? For me, no-brainer Messi. And I'm not one of those guys that's like, Messi's a god and Ronaldo sucks. Like, I obviously appreciate everything Ronaldo does for the game. I think he's an amazing player, but I just think the master class that Messi shows is in a class all his own. From goal scoring, which obviously Ronaldo does very well, but just the way that he can take over a game and create and the way he dribbles, the way he picks up the ball deep. Ronaldo's more of a classic striker, number nine goal scorer, which obviously is incredible what he's done. But I think the way that Messi, his overall ability is for me, just like I said, a masterclass. Have you had a chance to see either one play live by chance? I saw Messi. So actually I live in DC. My family's from DC. And a lot of times in the off season, these big European clubs will do like a United States right. tour or tour wherever they're going to go. And Messi came, Barcelona, sorry, while he was on Barcelona, came and played in FedEx, which is where now the commanders play football. So my friends and I were able to go. We got to actually see a training session, for, which is actually Suarez, Neymar, and Messi. I'm not sure how familiar oh, you nice. guys are yeah. with soccer. Yes. But obviously just three big-time guys. So just to see them, obviously it was pretty casual and they were putting on more of a show than a proper training session. But just to see their training habits and then translate into a game a couple of days later was a really cool thing for me and my friends to see. Yeah, I got to say, I lived in Spain Uh about 2008, 2010, and had a big Real Madrid fan, became a big Real Madrid fan, I should say, in Spain, and I had a chance to see Ronaldo play live and just spectacular, and was also there when Spain won the World Cup South Africa, which I've never seen anything like that in my life. Of course, Penn State football games, but like a whole country partying in the streets, unbelievable. I'm so jealous of that experience. We just don't have anything like that here. I, I mean, know, we don't. We're going to get more into the soccer dynamic across the American sports landscape in a little bit. Noah, so let's talk more about you. So we're going to get into your your professional career and what you're up to. I guess first, let's start with the, U, the USL, United Soccer League. That's the league that you're part of. I would say the average American and the average American soccer fan probably knows about the MLS, Major League Soccer. What's different about the USL or how's the hierarchy work? Yeah, now there's 
technically six professional divisions in America. There's the MLS, which is obviously the top division. There's the USL, which has two divisions called USL Championship and USL League One. For guys who, maybe listeners who are more familiar with baseball, let's say that's essentially AAA. So it's the level right below MLS. Then there's a league called the NISA, which is technically fourth division. Those guys are still getting paid. And then there's basically what they're called summer leagues. It's called the MPSL and the UPSL. And those are more so either for college kids during the summer to still play at a pretty high level. And then also maybe older players who are struggling to find a contract to just get in meaningful game minutes with pretty high quality players. So obviously MLS, like I said, is the top division. USL is where I'm at. I would say the main difference aside from pay, obviously, is the quality of player that you're going to find in the MLS is undoubtedly better than USL. That's just the reality of the situation. I think you'd, you'd be hard pressed to find a guy in the USL that goal isn't obviously to go and play at the highest level that you possibly can play and challenge yourself against the best guys you can play against. And it almost, for me, makes the USL more difficult because the hunger that's in that league for guys to try to push themselves up is, uh, well, I'm privileged to play in the USL, to be honest with you when I say that. Just every day uh, from training into games, you're going to get an extremely competitive atmosphere, which is all you can really ask for as a professional athlete. So essentially, yeah, it's a second division. We do obviously still get paid. Our housing's all covered in our contracts, insurances. So like they, they treat us well. I think the most common question, at least that I get asked very bluntly is if I get paid. So it is my job and it is my profession and I'm blessed to do what I love. But yeah, I would say apart from pay and level, there isn't really that much of a difference. And I've had the privilege of being around environments all across the board. And it really comes down to application and work ethic at that level more so than skill. When you get to that level, obviously there's guys who are unbelievable. Like we have the Messi's and the Ronaldo's, but there's a big chunk of median players that are pretty similar skill-based. And it all comes down to work ethic, application, professionalism, all the little things that really didn't make that much of a difference prior when you get to the professional environment are super important. Gotcha. All right, so now let's work our way back a little bit. So how did you get to where you are? Were you drafted at some point by one of the team at one of the lower levels and you worked your way up? Or was it like more of a tryout situation or kind of how take us to how you got to where you are today? Yeah, there's only a draft in the MLS. I think it's about four rounds with maybe 20, 25 picks per round. Um, and then for guys who don't get drafted, it's more so a lot of us hire agents and then it's hopefully to get in for preseason, which is the handful of weeks, a couple months prior to teams' actual seasons that they have guys in on trial. It could be anywhere from two days to when I went, when I came to Greenville, my trial was actually six weeks, which was just brutal mentally and wow. physically, obviously. But yeah, initially my first year professionally, I played in DC United's organization, which is an MLS team. They were introducing a USL team, essentially their second team. So there was no team already. Basically, they just had a big tryout, narrowed it down to about 30 guys. And then those 30 guys went into pre. We did about eight weeks of preseason. We mixed in some of the MLS guys who weren't getting looks up with the first team, came down and trained with us. Then there's an academy system, which is kids still in high school were coming up and training. So it was just a big group of players of all sorts of level. And then that actually was about four weeks before I was offered a contract. And just to be... Like I said before, I'm from D.C. and to be able to sign my hometown team and to be in the area to play my first season professionally was extremely special. Had my first season there, 
And now I'm in Greenville, which is in the USL as well. My agent reached out to a bunch of coaches in the off season. I just wasn't necessarily happy with how my season transpired with Loudon, which is, like I said, DC United's second team. Thought it was best for me to make a move. And we got in contact with the coaching staff in Greenville and I came and was invited into preseason. And normally they'll tell you it's like a week and a half. You can pretty much tell after a week or so of training if a guy's going to fit into your system and if he has the qualities that you deem fit to be on your team. So it was just tough, man. It just dragged out and dragged out. And obviously I'm not in a position where I can go in and be like demanding answers. So you just have to put your head down and trust in your ability and keep doing what you do and hope everything works out for the best. And luckily it did. And I've spent the last three seasons there. So this year was my fourth year pro. And you won a championship there. So you got to tell us about that. Awesome. Yeah. So my first season there was 2020, was the COVID season, actually. I basically had gone in after I was signed after preseason. It was pretty transparent, the coaching staff with me, that there was two really veteran guys who had MLS experience and who were basically his guys. And there's politics that play into professional sports. Coaches are going to have their guys. That's just the way, that's just the way of the road. And you just have to accept what it is. So... I had pretty much accepted the fact that my role was going to be to learn from these two veteran guys that were in my position, which I was fully ready for and appreciative of the opportunity. And then obviously we got set back a couple months due to COVID and one of them, unfortunately for him, fortunately for me, picked up a pretty bad injury and I was thrown into the mix. And prior to the season, I was with the starting group and ended up playing and starting 16 out of the 16 games, had three goal of the year nominations. I got first team all league and we ended up winning a trophy. A lot of it comes down to luck. Like I said, I wasn't going in there with the thought of I'm going to be the guy here and I'm going to start and I'm going to contribute and I'm going to be this big name player who brings a championship home. I'm going to be a role player, which again, completely fine with and due to a little bit of unfortunate for a good friend of mine, Paul and I was just able to take my opportunity and run with it, which is half the battle. And like I said, I ended up having an amazing season and the team together had an amazing year. We brought home the championship and I got all these personal accolades. So it was really special. Next man up mentality. I was here. Exactly. Coach Franklin talk about that. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing for sure. Cool. Congratulations. Thank you. So you touched on the DC United Academy. We're going to go there as well. I guess it's a little bit different, right? And like you said, you're familiar with like in baseball with the minor leagues. But it's not, it's that's, I guess, maybe a little bit of a different system. You don't really hear about like Philadelphia Phillies Academy or Washington Nationals Academy is directly a part of the MLS team, which is right. But I guess t- talk a little bit about, about the atmosphere, right? Like you're there with other guys that you're ultimately competing with, but is it pretty, I guess I'll use the word coll- collegial. Like, is it a situation where like you and the other guys, like, hey, everybody's got the same goal. Let's go out of there and help each other while still competing. Is that kind of how it is? Or is it, is it more cutthroat than that? Yeah. So are we talking about when I was with the academy or in, in the professional environment? In the academy. In the academy, yeah, it was pretty cordial. Everybody with one common goal in mind and we all were super appreciative and thought the opportunity was so cool, especially as a 14-year-old kid rolling and as a freshman in high school. Status is a crazy thing. So you get to say you're playing for the professional team's academy in your guys' area, which everyone thinks is like, you know, you're associated with that big name, which was awesome. Obviously kids are going to be kids and there's a stupid bickering and fighting, but in terms of an overall team goal and an overall team atmosphere, it was extremely professional. And it's also credit to the staff there who made sure to keep it that way and made sure that obviously as young kids, we understood what we were ultimately representing, which was this big organization with extremely storied past and that we needed to be grateful for the opportunity. So yeah, I would say that, yeah, the team environment was great. Cool. 
Hey, all right. So now we're going to come back to the topic we alluded to earlier, and I'm going to I'm going to challenge you a little bit here on on soccer. Okay, like the whole landscape in America. Right. I've been hearing since, and Jared and I are a little bit older than you are, but I've been hearing since I was a kid, right? The soccer is like the next big thing, but right. it's tough in America, right? And we know it, uh, the next part that I'll say is not, I'm not saying anything that people don't already know, right? Competing against, you know, a football, right? Baseball, basketball, NASCAR. Jared, what am I missing? What else is popular? People like things like, I don't know, MMA. And there's yeah, all UFC's kinds. big now. Yeah, all those things are huge in America, right? Where you've got other parts of the world where like soccer, you know, football, to be respectful of how they call it, that is like the sport. And so I guess it it obviously has its niche, right? MLS has, what, how many teams now? 30 plus, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why from a business perspective, it's grown to be that big. And there's a reason why, you know, so many, when when like, you know, Real Madrid or Barcelona comes to the US and they fill up a football stadium, like- I, I see both sides of the coin, but ultimately, like what needs to happen in America for soccer to really take it to the next level? That's a long way of asking that question. <laughs> yeah, so I think there's a couple of things. Obviously, every four years, last World Cup was an absolute travesty in, in the United States, not qualifying, obviously didn't do any favors for the growth of the game in our country, but the World Cup years and just maybe not even World Cup, but just as our, as a nation, as we grow and as we continue to have success and hopefully compete on the world stage and make a legitimate name for ourselves. I think just the legitimacy of that will help. It definitely has grown growing up when I first started playing when I was four or five years old until now it's a world of difference. Things like funny enough things, video games like FIFA are actually really helping guys, all athletes, all everyone from all walks of life playing FIFA and loving it. I just think there's a little bit of, of naivety in terms of how difficult the sport really is. I think with football and things like in hockey where people are hitting each other and to the neutral viewer, that's what you want to see, which is completely understandable. And there's the stigmas around soccer players that soccer is soft and there's diving and a bunch of babies and this and that, which there's bad eggs and that kind of stuff does happen. But I actually think that if people would give soccer a chance and watch, there's a lot of guys bashing into each other and it's physical and it's fast and it's athletic and there's a lot that happens. So I really just think that if people started to give it more of a chance that they would be pretty surprised about what they saw. I respect it. I can tell you, I can't do anything with my left foot. I get only, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm only going right. You, yeah, right. You would know every single time I'm always going right. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, I just think that I think a lot of guys love it too. Like with the FIFA and growing up, we play a game called World Cup where basically there's a goalie and you have a partner and it's just like a group of however many of you and your buddies want to get together. Say it's a group of 20 guys and you all choose a country and it's basically just like a 2v2. And when you score, basically your country moves on and it just dwindles down until there's two teams left. And I mean, it wasn't just soccer guys. It was guys from the football team, baseball team, hockey team, just the normal student body. I think people like it. It's just... There's obviously the stigmas, and I, and like I said, I think there's a little bit of naivety of how tough and how athletic of a sport it really is. Not to toot our own horns, but I genuinely feel that way. Do you do a lot in the Greenville community to foster the fandom and get yeah, people we kind do. of coming out Luck- to matches? Yeah, so luckily in the upstate, there's already a pretty big soccer crowd, but Greenville does an amazing job of community outreach and has us out doing appearances a couple times a week. And we have a team store in the heart of downtown which obviously just foot traffic and people passing by, even if they don't know what it is, walking in, seeing the gear, 
being able to talk to someone in the store. The team offices are also located in the store. So if people have questions, there's people on the front lines that are there to talk and explain things. And yeah, we have a really good support system in Greenville, which I'm extremely grateful for. Hey, it doesn't hurt when you win a championship either, right? It does not hurt when you, and, we, and we've actually, so that the three years that I've been there, the year prior to me getting there, they made it to the championship and lost. Um, the year I arrived, we made it and we ended up winning. My second year we went again and we lost. And then this year we lost in the semifinals. So it's a, we've had a yeah. hell of a run since the team's incubation four years ago. Team. It obviously helps when, like I said, with the national team, success is obviously going to help drive things like that. Yeah, certainly. Wanting to go off the pitch a little bit, a little bit here. We've noticed on social media, you've got a nice following on Instagram yeah. and you also work with a number of brands. So can you I talk a, a, about a few of your partners and the process of becoming a sponsored athlete and social media influencer? Yeah, it's been awesome. It's been something that honestly just came along with as I grew as a player and as I grew as more of a presence, I just started to gain this following and it's been super special for me. There's been a lot of cool opportunities that I've gotten presented with. I've been able to do a lot of giveaways and community give back, which has been amazing. And it's amazing what that little blue check mark will do for you in terms of <laughs> credibility and with brands wanting to work with you. So luckily I was able to get that through my team and I've actually posted a lot of my following has come from TikTok. So over, over COVID, I started TikTok with a couple of teammates just doing soccer content and just continued to spiral and branch out from there. And it's been able to give me, like I, like you guys had mentioned, to work with a bunch of amazing brands and be able to do a bunch of amazing things. Let's Any shout outs? Yeah, Any I'm, shout -outs? I'm yeah. trying to think of Liquid IV for me. I, I'm going to be extremely authentic and I, I don't work with any brands that I don't genuinely love. So I think Liquid IV for me is a massive one. Just in terms of recovery, I would say Capelli Sports, they send me a bunch of gear that's been very helpful for me in the weight room for my recovery been through a couple injuries just to be able to work out in comfort and recovery this is one of them yeah, i know you guys can't see it but just a couple cool clothing companies christian mccaffrey and dirks bentley have a brand called flag and anthem it's oh yeah like i've heard of it yeah yeah so it's more like winter and uh just yeah blue collar type of clothes i guess you could say and i was able to do a collaboration with them where they sent me a whole bunch of things and was able to get stuff for family for christmas who lives in state college actually that's nice. right up there, Ali. But yeah, it's just been amazing to be able to work with amazing people like that. Obviously, those two guys are top of their class at what they do. And there's been a lot of cool initiatives that they've done. They did it for Veterans Day. They did an initiative where they gave out t-shirts and were giving back proceeds to different organizations. So just to be able to be a part of things like that, obviously, I'm not going to lie and say getting a bunch of free gear and all that kind of stuff isn't amazing, but to be able to also then participate in these cool initiatives and to be able to give back a little bit has been really cool as well. That's great. Are yeah. you thinking, and I know it, you're a professional, you're focused on your craft right now. Clearly you've got a business side in a sense to yourself. Have you given much thought about post-playing career and what you want to do? I don't know if you want to stay in the sport or branch out. What are you thinking? Yeah. So it's tough for me to say just because obviously it's good to have a plan B, but what I've found for myself is when I have an all or nothing mentality, I tend to strive more. So right now I've been completely focused on soccer is what I'm doing and soccer is what I'm going to be doing. So focus on that and don't let anything else cloud it. I've unfortunately had a, a couple of injury ridden seasons with, I fractured my back last year and, and I just got a tightrope ankle surgery a couple months ago. Um, so again, like 
I think the fact that I've been fully tuned in to soccer and telling myself that soccer is the route and soccer is what I want to do helped me stay focused through those long, tough recoveries. Because I think maybe if there was a creep of doubt of my body's taking a beating, recovering for months and months at a time and not being able to do what you love, um, it's taking a toll on you. And if I had that little creep of doubt and maybe had a plan B that potentially I could have strayed that way in, in the darker and harder days, but I've been able to stay the course and keep tunnel vision soccer, which right now I think is working well. I hope to be able to play as long as my body will let me and then find a career that suits me afterwards. But for right now, I'm pretty tunnel vision what I'm doing. No, I respect that totally. And you'll cross that bridge when it comes, but certainly yeah, exactly. wherever that bridge leads you to, you'll be extremely successful, no doubt about that. I appreciate that. And one of the reasons why you'll be very successful is because you got a Penn State degree, which will bring us into the Lions Den, brought to you by our friends at Lions Pride. Opportunity for us to reminisce about your time at Penn State. No better place to do your holiday shopping. So remember to visit lions-pride.com for all your stocking stuffers as well as your Rose Bowl gear. I want to start off with a little bit of a non-traditional question. Most of the time we have set questions that we ask our guests when it comes to Penn State. But we heard a video a few weeks ago from American superstar Christian Pulisic. And he was asked, you probably saw this video, if he could go to one college, where would he have gone? And he said, oh, I don't think I would have gone to college, but if I did, I would go to Penn State. So what made you decide to go to Penn State where else were you recruited and I guess even before we get that do you know do you happen to know Christian as well yeah so we played against each other growing up he's from PA he played on an academy called PA Classics and I was obviously with DC United Academy and we played against each other three times a year from when we were 14 till he had moved to Germany to play for Bruce Dortmund and then I had gone off to college but yeah we're cordial and we have a bunch of close mutual friends one of my best friends is very good friends with him just through the national team we play Xbox I've played Xbox with him and stuff like that so it's been cool both of us were always the two smallest guys in the field but he just had a he just had a different gear and he was a different a level and, he, and you could tell he was playing up a couple years I think he may be a couple years younger than me and you could tell that he was just destined to be obviously what he's turned out to be today. But obviously I think he's a PA guy. So I think he knows a bit about Penn State. He had a bunch of teammates come to Penn State. I actually was teammates with a couple of his teammates from the academy. But my biggest thing when I was getting recruited was obviously soccer can be over at the snap of a finger or the blink of an eye. There's injuries and there's external factors that happen and and that experiencing could be done just like that. So I always wanted to go to a school where if unfortunately soccer were to not work out that I was at a place where, you know, academically and socially, I would be more than happy to just be a part of the normal student body. And Penn State for me was checking every single box that I could ever think of. I actually grew up basically on campus. Uh, my grandma lives on South Allen Street, right across wow. from Theta Chi's fraternity. I don't know how familiar you guys are with the campus, but my uncle Michael painted the mural that's on the side of the student bookstore. Oh, yeah, of course. Layers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. So that's my uncle, my dad's brother. And then just a bunch of the other sculptures in the area. My dad's other brother, Mark Pilato, which they're twins. Just a super artsy family that's been around State College for 50 plus years. Both my parents went to stay. Um, there's pictures of me in a baby backpack on my dad's back one year old in beaver stadium we've had season tickets for football for however long so it was always my dream to come to penn state and to be able to do what i love on top of going to the school that i love was incredible for me i was getting recruited by schools in the area from virginia uva west virginia wake forest 
more more so ACC. But once that offer came in from Penn State, I never turned back and I never batted an eye. There was a 100% chance of me coming to Penn State if that opportunity presented itself. Love, love the connection there. And how much do you think that video is being used by the Penn State recruiting staff of Oh, they should of, be of abusing. Posters, right? <laughs> that should be on every big screen, on every TV, on every email. They got Exactly. Yeah. What a gift. Hey, Noah, and then going, I guess, ahead a little bit. When you look at your time at Penn State, both academically and athletically, how did your four years help prep you for your early part of your professional career here? Yeah, I think there's a couple there's a couple things in terms of what soccer taught me and the, and the staff there just in terms of representing something way bigger than yourself I think that helped me grow up pretty quickly obviously I'd come from the DC United Academy where they had taught it as a naive ignorant high school kid you don't fully grasp that concept and then when you get to somewhere like Penn State where you walk down the street and there's you talk to five people and someone has someone connected to the university in some aspect you really are representing something that's enormously bigger than yourself, which really helped me just ground myself and be present and appreciate the opportunity that I've been given. And then just like I said, the alumni base is insane. The people that you meet, the resources that you have at the school, I'm forever grateful for it. And it, and it really helped me and shaped me into being more of a man than a college kid or a soccer player. I feel like there's more to me than just that. And I think the school really helped in that sense. Toughest question of the entire podcast. Favorite Penn State memory? I think I have two, if that's all right with you. Yeah, guys. go with it. it. Sure. So my favorite soccer memory was uh, we were playing away at Maryland, which for listeners who don't know, Maryland has since coming into the Big Ten has basically ran the show. They've won, I think, the four years that I played there, they won three Big Ten championships, and they had always had a good run of form in the tournament and made a, and made a deep run in that. So we were playing away at Maryland obviously pretty close to DC and where my family is. So they were able to make it to the game. And there was about six minutes left and the ball popped out to the top of the box. And I just smacked one into the corner and it was my first goal for Penn state after four years, it took a long wow. while, more of a gritty kind of defensive player. Yes. Yeah, smacked there. They're the reigning national champions. No one really goes to Ludwig, which is their field and wins and smacked one home with six minutes left to go into overtime. And, I was actually able to spot my family in the crowd and something came, blacked out, something came over me, sprinted over there, Man. had a pretty cool embrace with my brother. And it's amazing. The game happened to be on Big Ten Network. So there was a really cool shot that they had, which gives me chills and brings tears in my eyes when I get to see it. But that was definitely my most special soccer. We ended up losing to ruin everything about mm. my story. But uh, <laughs> no, it was, you should have left that was, part out. <laughs> I know. Cut. But yeah, it was, a, it was an extremely special moment for my brother and I to embrace and then to look up and see my parents. And yeah, it was really special. And then I think other than that, the Big Ten championship that Penn State football won, like I said, I've been coming to games for since I was a baby. My grandfather was a professor at Penn State, so he went to games. My dad went to games all growing up. And when we made the Big Ten championship, my dad was lucky enough to get a handful of tickets. Me and a couple of buddies drove down to Indianapolis for the game. My dad and brother drove up from D.C. And we were able to watch that game and see us bring home a Big Ten championship together, which another family-oriented Penn State moment, which is pretty fitting. Um, awesome. But those are probably my two, yeah, my two best memories at Penn State. That's awesome. And But during the season, since the seasons overlap, 
Yeah. You're probably not going to many Penn State football yeah, games, tough. right? Yeah, it's tough. So a lot of times, especially in the student section, they're standing the whole game. So a lot of times we play on Friday, Sundays or Tuesday, Fridays. A lot of times we're away on the weekends that the football team is home. And then when they are home, we normally train the morning of games, which is cool. Obviously, everyone's tailgating around you and people will come over to the fences and watch us train and you'll get to talk to guys. And then maybe we'll go in for a quarter or two, but it's tough to be standing on your feet for right. three, four hours the day before a game. So yeah, I didn't get to go while I was in school to as many football games as I'd like. But again, I knew what I signed up for and it was still awesome to watch from afar and could stand outside and basically feel like you're inside because of how loud it is. So yeah, it was it was fun for sure. That's great. We have a great partnership with the Daily Collegian where students submit questions to our guests. And this week, Kadi Dia, a sophomore, wants to know, she obviously follows you or knows about your social media following. What's your advice to students who want to become social media influencers? I would say the biggest thing is just push out as much content as you possibly can. Like I said, I started in 2020 during COVID and I was doing soccer content and then as I started to gain a bit of a following, I started to just branch off to try to find my specific niche. So I was doing this trends, obviously, as, as funny as it is to say, like more thirst trappy, just like stuff like that. And I just wanted to figure out what worked best for me and my audience that I was finding. And yeah, it was just like, I was posting between five and 10 videos a day and some videos are doing horribly, but you then find out what works well for you. And once you start finding that niche and find out the content that works the best for you, just take that and run with it. Um, and like I said, it's translated extremely well over to Instagram, which is amazing. I don't more so Instagram I use for sponsored posts and posts of soccer or things that I'm doing with brands and TikTok is more of more me, my personality, just whatever works. And I actually started to go live. So I think it's really important for you to build a, relationship with community i guess you could say that that you've began to grow so once i gained enough followers to to gain the access to go live on tiktok i started doing that about once a week just to be able to show my face and have them put a voice and a personality to these five to 20 second videos they're seeing of me and, and then that in turn i think they feel more connected to you and feel like they want to support you more and push your content comment and interact and all that kind of good stuff which in turn helps push your videos and I've started to be able to gain a pretty big audience in my lives, which has been awesome. Like I come in here and I sit and I just chat with them for 20, 30 minutes and get to learn about them. They get to learn about me. I get content ideas bounce off of them to me, which is nice to be able to have that face-to-face -face interaction to know exactly what the people that are viewing your content want to see. But I think it's super important to, to try to build a solid base of a community who really appreciates what you're doing and appreciates your content. And then that in turn helps branch out to whatever comes from it. And now you got to tell us where people can follow you. Yeah. So both of my TikTok and Instagram handle are the same. It's Noah underscore Pilato five. Those are both my handle on my TikTok and my Instagram, which would be amazing. Pop in the lives. If any of you guys want to pop in, say you saw me on here, say what's up. I'd love to chat and get to meet everybody. Cool. Hey, if you could visit with yourself as an 18-year-old freshman, now I, I know you said you're very familiar with Penn State before you even stepped on campus, but stepping on campus for the first, you know, as a student, as a freshman, is a whole different ballgame. So right. if you could visit with yourself as an 18-year-old freshman, what advice would you share? I would tell myself to, to take full advantage of the opportunity that you've been given. I think that as a freshman, I came in 
and I had redshirted my freshman year. So my mentality was I'm going to come in and I'm going to bust my ass at training and I can't play in games. So that's the extent of what I'm going to do. And looking back on it now, I think that, like I had mentioned to you guys previously, fine margins of what it takes to be successful at the next level isn't go do your job for the amount of time that everybody else is going to do their job. Like you need to be putting in extra time before training, after training, whether it's just regular body maintenance or if it's gym work, or I've even found that speaking with a sports psychologist has been super helpful for me, which all of these resources were available to me at Penn State, but I was pretty naive and I was for the first couple of years was, this is awesome. I'm playing at my dream school. I'm going to do my job when I'm supposed to do my job and go have fun when I'm supposed to go have fun. And I think that I didn't take full advantage of the resources and the opportunity that was presented to me until I matured a little bit. And I realized, and once it became junior, senior year, and I realized that I really had a shot and potential to make it to the next level, I buckled down and, and did what I wish I had done the two and a half years prior. And same thing with classes, like obviously Penn State's a massive school. Some of your classes, when you're doing your non-major courses, there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of kids. Sometimes I had classes with 700 kids in them. So it's very easy to go blend and to not put forth any effort and to just be like, yeah, whatever, there's 700 other kids in here. I don't really need to be either, either even showing up. So I just think that there's, I wish I could have told myself that it's a quick four years and there's a lot that you can learn and there's a lot of resources at your disposal. And I wish I would have taken more advantage for my first couple of years there than I did. Good advice. And then lastly, how do you feel connected to the university today? Are you in contact with any players from the current Penn state team? And as far as, I don't know if they reach out to you, or if you get a chance to go back there at all. Yeah. I talked to a bunch of guys still there. I talked to the coaches there as well. I feel extremely connected just through family. Like I said, my grandparents live there. Yep. A lot of my aunts, uncles, relatives work for the university. My dad is up there six, six, seven times a year for all the home football games. He makes the trip up. So I still feel just as connected to it as I did when I left. I have only been back. It's just tough because our season runs from February to middle to late November. So there's normally maybe one or two football games at the end of the year that I can try to catch. I go back for Christmas. We do Christmas at my grandparents' house. So I've been back on campus and seen how it's, the city's just absolutely blown up. There's skyscraper apartments mm -hmm. and all these big buildings. And it's just, it's just insane the way that the town itself is progressing. But I still feel extremely connected. I'm doing PT for my ankle right now. And I'm in and out of different gyms and facilities. And if I wear a Penn State shirt, there's people coming up to you everywhere you go to say, even if it's just a, we are, but there's, even if you wanted to escape being a Penn state alumni, I'm not even sure that you could. <laughs> and who would want to do that? Yeah. Hey, this has been a great 40 plus minutes with you. Got to say, you've got two new Greenville triumph fans, That's two dope. new no Palato fans. That's and when people listen to this, you'll have hundreds, thousands more as well, which is exciting. We're going to continue awesome, to follow man. your career not only on the pitch, but no doubt after you'll continue to have a great successful career, whatever you decide to do next. Really appreciate that. Thanks for having me on guys. Yep. We always end with, we are Penn State, baby. Lion Legacy is a Baruta production. If you enjoy this Labor of Love podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform.